Hi, I love horror, do you? Welcome to Love Horror, podcast episode 4. (gasps) Last time I had an interview with an indie filmmaker, so if you haven't already listened to that, I recommend you go back to episode 3. You can either do it now or after this episode, it doesn't really matter which of these two you listen to in what order. In episode 2, before uh, the indie filmmaker one, I had a look at trivia from the first two Friday the 13th films. This time it's trivia from parts 3 and 4. Let's start with part 3. This was the first of the Friday the 13th films to use a hockey mask, which has now been in every sequel since. In part 1, it was of course the mother doing it, not Jason, and in part 2 he wore a burlap sack over his head with a cutout for one eye. This is the first one where he finds a hockey mask and for some reason decides he likes it and will use it from now on. The house, barn and lake were all purpose built on location. The man-made lake wasn't properly sealed however and the water drained into the soil during the first week of filming. It takes place the day after the events of part two So it's not technically Friday the 13th, it's mostly set on Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th. To prevent the film's plot being leaked, the production used the fake title on scripts etc. of Crystal Japan after a David Bowie song. And it would not be the last time they would use a David Bowie song title for a fake title. Larry Zerner was cast as Shelley in this movie when the producers spotted him handing out flyers for another horror movie and they asked him if he wanted to star in one himself. The character Shelley is one that some people either love or hate. I personally don't mind the character of Shelley too much, but some people really can't stand him. Amy Steele, who starred in Friday the 13th Part 2 in 1981, was offered the opportunity to reprise her role for the third film, but she declined unfortunately. Part 3 has a body count of 12, which is pretty much in keeping with the rest of the films before it, which had a body count of about 10 to to 11. Originally released in 3D, some home media still include it. If you get Part 3 on standalone Blu-ray, not in a box set, but just Part 3 on its own on Blu-ray, in the UK it only includes the 2D version for some reason. In America, it includes the 3D glasses and the 3D copy as well as the 2D copy. Also, if you get the full box set of all the Friday 13th, including Freddy vs. Jason, that does include the glasses and the 3D and 2D copy. The old man in this movie, named Abel, is very much a rip-off of Crazy Ralph from the first two Friday 13th films. Despite the number being written as the normal number three in the title on all cover art, the opening title sequence doesn't use the number in that form, it uses Roman numerals. There is a cameo in part three by the director, Steve Miner, who plays the voice of the TV newscaster. He also directed part two. The film had a budget of four million US dollars. It would go on to make just under 37 million. Now trivia from Friday the 13th, part 4. Due to the production's low budget, several actors had to perform uncomfortable or even dangerous stunts. 
including the actor who would play Samantha, Judy Aronson. She was required to stay submerged in a lake in near freezing temperatures. Ted White, who in part four played Jason, uh, advocated for some of the actors, including threatening to quit when the director, Joseph Zito, refused to allow the actress of Samantha to get out of the lake in between takes. At the time, this instalment of the series had the most nudity. According to the performer who played Jason, Ted White, Corey Feldman, who played the little boy in this one, who you may recognise from the movie Goonies, he maintained a bratty attitude on set. Filmer maintained that it was due to the treatment he received by the director and that when he attacks Jason with the machete near the end of the movie, he is pretending that it is the director that he's chopping. So it's hard to say who's right about this. Um, from some things I've read here, I should think it probably was the director's fault. As you have things like him refusing to let the actress out of the freezing water in between takes, so I think that says a lot about him. During filming, actress Kimberly Beck experienced strange occurrences of a man watching her while she ran in the park, accompanied by strange phone calls at all hours. This stopped immediately, production was over. If you're wondering who the actress is, she's the leading lady in, in part four. The strange dance Jimbo does at the party was contributed by actor Crispin Glover and was based on the eccentric way that Crispin Glover actually danced at clubs. According to Corey Feldman, the screams he made when Jason grabbed him through the window were genuine. He was truly terrified. Corey Feldman wore a score cap to make it look like he had shaved his head. However, it's not a bad score cap. You can tell the top of his head does look a little fake there. It sort of looks like he's wearing a score cap but it is one of the better ones I've seen. The video Axel is watching is called, and I hope I pronounce this right, Arobatatis, or something like that, from 1982. It stars Darcy DeMoss, who would later go on to play Nicky in Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6, in 1986. In an attempt at method acting, Lawrence Monison decided that since his character Ted is smoking pot when he dies, he would try smoking pot in, for real in order to film the scene. He soon found that in his in intoxicated state, it was too difficult to concentrate on doing his scene. So, clearly not a good idea to smoke weed where you're trying to act. This movie, Part 4, has the highest body count so far in the film series. It has a body count of 13. They were mostly... 10 to 11 before and part 3 had 12 so this goes one higher and has a high count of 13. The moment with Jason's hand moving in the morgue was done by the actor of Jason Ted White after the director Joseph Zito had called cut on the scene so he believed that the filming was over and had moved his hand a bit however the camera was still rolling and so it had caught the movement so they had decided to include it in the film anyway. Kimberly Beck stated in Crystal Lake Memories book that she doesn't like the horror genre. In addition, she also said that this movie wasn't even a B movie, it was a C movie. So clearly somebody that doesn't like horror. House used for the Jarvis house 
is later seen as the Anderson House in the film Ed Gain in 2000, where the serial killer Ed Gain is apprehended. In one scene, Rob Dyer talks to Trish about his sister, Sandra. Sandra Dyer was one of Jason's victims in Friday the 13th, Part 2. It's the first film in the series so far to have two surviving protagonists. Director Joseph Zito wanted Jason's hockey mask to explode into pieces in the opening credit sequence, but couldn't do this because there wasn't enough time left in post-production to pull it off. Peter Barton was talked into taking a role in the movie by Amy Steele, who played Ginny in Friday the 13th Part 2 in 1981. Quite interesting though, isn't it, that she decided to talk someone else into taking a role in this movie, yet she didn't want to return for any further instalments herself. The scene at the end with Corey Feldman hacking up Jason with machete was done by having Feldman chop away at two sandbags. It had a budget of about 1.8 million and made around 32.6 million in the box office at the time. So there you go. Next time I will finally be looking at horror video games released in 2014. As I've mentioned earlier, if you haven't already done so, I'll refer you again back to last week's episode episode 3, where I interview an indie filmmaker, I really think it's worth you checking out. If you have any suggestions for the next episode, or just this podcast in general, then you can email me at lovehorrorpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. That's lovehorrorpodcast without a question mark or one word, lovehorrorpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. Thanks for tuning in.